0: I want to share with you a few minutes this morning before we dismiss. We have about 30 minutes or so before we'll be going and grabbing your bags and getting on buses and heading back to Colorado Springs. But I feel like there's a couple of things that the Lord just wanted to kind of finish off. Honestly, I feel like the Holy Spirit has said just about everything that he desired to say, everything he's purposed. I feel like we've been faithful to that as best as we know how. I want us to go straight to the scriptures this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter seventy-three. We're going to pretty lengthy portion of verses this morning. I'll give you a couple points that we'll kind of wrap up, and we'll get on to a couple other things before that we need to do. I want to give one more exhortation, even for um, last night. How many of you were blessed by what the Holy Spirit did in and through us last night? Come on, and let's always let's let's always. We feel with this sense of awe and a wonder of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God and, you know, the things that he just chooses to do out of his great love towards us and for us. Thank you, Pete. And so um, one more exhortation last night. I know there are so many things. And even after we got back in the cabin, all of our staff was just kind of talking about the goodness of the Lord and talking about where we feel like God is leading us as a youth ministry and as a movement desperation in this generation, in this nation, and we really feel like last night even was a little bit of a shift in the atmosphere and the spiritual climate of Desperation Student Ministries, of Desperation Leadership Academy, Desperation Conferences. You know, it's often been said, you know, Dan and Stefan and the rest of the staff has been around for years and years, you know, as DSM goes, as the Youth Ministry of Desperation goes, so goes the entire movement. And if last night was any indication of where we're going as a movement, I'm so glad to be a part and aren't you. And so, so, so even we just begin to talk about just different testimonies. Revelations again says you overcome by the blood of the lamb, the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross and the word of your testimony. Let's speak well, not just about what God did in your hearts even last night, but even Saturday morning, Friday night, today, things that he spoke to you back in your room. We're going to have one more opportunity at the end of this service. Tommy, where are you? Are you around? Are you in this building? Okay, so Tommy is in the back. He's waving his hand. We want to hear your stories We want to hear of what the Holy Spirit, what Jesus has been doing in your heart over retreat. And so some of you are a little bit more shy. I'm going to just ask you to step out in bold faith and say, hey. I want to share what, what God has done in me. And I want, it to, I, want, I want people to know this is what the Holy Spirit did in me last night. Several of you received supernatural healing last night. We're so thankful to Jesus for that. Several of you gave your lives to the Lord last night. I mean, it was just so beautiful. It was powerful. And so we need to hear those stories. We want to share that with the rest of DSM. But also as faith builders and encouragement to all the rest of us. Amen. Amen. One last time, even last night, if you were just kind of, you know, uh, praying and asking God for this thing that we just kind of call a prayer language and you're still believing God, I'm going to encourage you as you worship, even going home, even as you return home you turn on some just different worship music even whenever we're in service together or even by yourself that you continue to stir that up because the big thing to, to remember is that that was not just a one time encounter that wasn't just a one time we are to be continuously filled this river of God that just continues to fill us up over the years and it just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and it builds so one of the key ways and you guys have been in student full time youth ministry for over seven years now and I've seen the students To really go on, to to press on to the deep things of God are the ones who are intentional about continuing to stir that up. Even whenever you don't feel anything, and that's a little bit what I'm going to talk about this morning as we prepare to conclude um, this year's Coram Deo. Um, But be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us to go to Psalm chapter 73 this morning. Psalm chapter 73, and I want to start at verse 1. And it's up on the screen as well. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, truly God is good to Israel. Everybody say, truly God is good. To those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud. When I saw them prosper... Despite their wickedness, they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so so healthy and and so strong. Listen to the next verse here. My iPad's kind of zonking out here. Okay, cool. Oh, but they, their bodies are so healthy and strong. Verse five says they don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and, and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what? Is happening. Verse 12. Goes on to say. Look at these wicked people. Enjoying a life of ease. While their riches. Simply multiply. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure. For nothing. Did I keep myself innocent. For no reason. I get nothing but trouble. All day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. This morning, I want to speak to you from a message simply titled here, Lessons from a Wise Man. Lessons from a wise man. Everybody say, lessons from, man. lessons from a wise man. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this, your final word that you want to say to us corporately. I pray that the few points that you've given me will literally impact lives, transform hearts, kind of seal the deal of what you've done and what you'll continue to do in our hearts and lives as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said, Amen. Okay, so can we just be real for a moment? Okay. Because in order for you to really receive what I feel like God wants to speak to you this morning, you just got to be real. Because I just feel this huge burden to encourage every single one of you to never, ever, ever stop seeking the Lord. Never become satisfied. Never become complacent. You see, people who seek the Lord and hunger for more tend to make others uncomfortable around them. Because it's almost like a conviction to them whenever they've stopped in their pursuit of God and you're saying, no, God, I need more. No, God, I want more. No, God, I desire more of you. I want everything that you have for me. I want to see you with fresh eyes. Jesus, would you slay me again with your power all over again? Reveal more of Jesus to me. How many of you know you can never exhaust the bountiful riches of who Christ Jesus is while you're here on this earth? Never. And so the big lie as you go into your latter part of your teenage years and into your 20 something. So many times we experience or some who experiences dip are those who've stopped. They were paralyzed in their pursuit of God. I was talking to a gentleman not too long ago. He's in his late 40s. And he just began to share some different things with me about, he grew up in youth group and he's married, him and his wife both grew up in atmospheres, kind of like last night, but that was like the norm in their youth group. I mean, they were just getting after it, the fire of God, pursuing Jesus for years and years and years. And then when they got married, him and his girlfriend that who had gone to youth group together, got married, had kids, had great marriage, plugged into the church, but some kind of way towards the end of their thirties, they just began to Kind of go into cruise control. Took a break from church. At the age of 40 he had his very first sip of alcohol. Never drank before in his entire life. First sip of alcohol. First time going into a club. First time going into more of a party scene. Never done it throughout his teenage years. Never done it throughout his 20s, college. was on fire for God. And then a few years later. The effects of it began to rip his family apart. And literally today, he's going through one of the messiest divorces with his wife, his kids that are caught up right in the middle of it. And as he looked me in the eye, he said, you know, Brandon, I thought that I was immune to the consequences of sin. I I just, I thought I'd be immune some kind of way. I believed a lie because I'd done everything right at one point, that everything was just going to automatically turn out fine and that I was immune to the effects and the consequences of sin. This family's been ripped apart and the effect on the kids has been absolutely devastating. I say this to say to you, never stop in your pursuit of God. My prayer for you is that 10 years from now, you'd be found living a vibrant, deep relationship with Jesus Married, most of you, the majority of you, probably with kids, 15 years, whatever. Raising your kids in the church, serving in the house of the Lord. But that does not automatically come. There is no cruise control setting in Christ honoring spirit led Christianity. You got to keep your foot on the throttle the entire time. Keep your foot on the pedal, your hand on the throttle the entire time. Saying, Jesus, I want more of you. Amen. And so, so, but pondering this thought, I felt like the Lord asked me, you know, Brandon, what was the major challenge to your faith when you first began seeking me and living for me in high school and, and even remained a challenge at different points in college? And one of the answers there, one of the major things was just kind of envy, like of the world. You know, you see, my biggest challenge was trying to figure out how it was that I was here serving Jesus with my whole heart to the best of my abilities And yet some of my associates didn't want to have anything to do with God seemed to be doing much better than me in some seasons. Better how it seemed like they were making great, better great, good grades came easier for them or their families had more money than my family and they had everything that I wanted in the terms of, of materialism and their lives just looked a whole lot more fun and exciting than mine at certain times, especially when I considered celebrities or, or pop stars. And, and I thought just, you know, some of the leading icons in entertainment. I'm just like, God, their life surely does look fun. <laughs> I mean, can I just be real? because the emotions and the feelings will fade. <laughs> and you'll kind of be left sometimes with this sense like what is all of this for? Why am I saving myself until marriage? Why am I choosing to walk in purity? Why am I not doing everything else that the world does? Even quote Christian families who go out and they do uh, why why is it? What's the big deal? psalm here psalm chapter 73 was written by a guy named asaph what you need to know about asaph is he's one of the three musicians that david appointed to lead worship and in this very moment he's in a dilemma because he's the worship leader and he's being tempted with the thought of envying the wicked he's the one appointed and assigned to lead people into the presence of god and he's literally struggling in his heart saying yes i love god and yes i want to worship god but the life of the wicked surely is enticing and if you haven't been there at some point you will be just live long enough some of you and i thank god for your heritage whatever your heritage or your background is okay so some of you have been kind of more in a, a sheltered kind of environment where this really hasn't been a challenge from you maybe your friendship circles have been but but at some point some point you'll be thrusted into the scene and you'll begin to kind of look around and say man that surely does look good that surely does look fun i mean can i just be real and so that's the place where Asaph was. And so in this very moment, he's in this huge dilemma. And, and all these people who he's envying are living lives that are contrary to God's words and commands. Basically, he is flirting with temptation. So let's listen up to Asaph's story because his story affects your story this morning. Because he tells the story of how he almost slipped away from his devotion and his heart for God. In the beginning of this text, Asaph kind of starts out. Notice that he begins with a solid resolve. So the first thing I need for you to do is make a solid resolve in your heart. That in every season, come hell, come high water, come sickness, come tragedy, whatever happens in your life. You've got to purpose and resolve in your heart that God is good. Oh, it's a lie and a temptation from the enemy. To get you to believe anything less. God is good. Full of goodness. It's who he is. Do you guys understand this? So Asaph had this resolve, even though he's battling, even though he's struggling, he has this resolve that that he's made in his heart. You know what? God is a good God. Okay, it's like a mantra. It's a life belief, if you will. It's God is good. You guys, you you can't even begin to understand how essential it is to get that one fact about God settled in your heart in this stage of your life and that you hold on to it for dear life because storms will come. Challenges will happen. People will betray you. You're going to lose friends along the way. You're going to see hardship. And the first thing that the enemy is going to try to cause you to do is see, 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 see. I told you. He's not that good. But you've got to have a response and a resolve in your heart that says, you know what? I've just made up my mind. Not based on my feelings or my emotions. I believe you, God, at your word. And you are are good. I'm telling you that one nugget alone will carry you through some of the toughest seasons of your life. Whenever you can look at God in his face, no matter what you're facing, no matter what's going on in your family, your school, your life, your situation. And you look at him face to face and say, but God, you are good. And I don't know a whole lot, but this one thing I know you're for me and you're good. That's what Asaph had in his heart. That's what, that was one of his resolves. You see what I'm saying? Asaph is saying to us, there must be some truths which cannot be shaken and which we must resolve to live and to die by. I will go to my grave saying God is good. No matter what takes place in Brandon Cormier's life, I cannot speak for you. I can speak for myself. You've got to have that type of resolve, you guys. Good thoughts about God will help you to be victorious in nearly every attack from the enemy. Also in verse 1, he says, God is good to those whose hearts are pure. Not only is God just good, though, he is especially good, which is what Asaph is pointing out to us. To those who live pure lives, those who have surrendered their hearts to Jesus all the way. Verse 2, he makes it kind of a confession. He says, I almost lost my footing. And how many of you have been there before? Oh, I almost slipped right into sin. Yeah, I've been there lots of times. Been there before. So he's just kind of sharing this personal story with us. Thank God is good, but I almost lost my footing. You've got to know that you're not weird or less spiritual if you've thought this way before. If you've been so close to temptation. Because what the enemy loves to do is bring condemnation and shame and guilt, sometimes for no reason at all got to know who you are. Verses 3 through 12, Asaph begins to describe the wicked. He admits that he has envy in his heart and he, these feelings of bagada. I'm living for you as best as I can. You know, God, what about, you know, you fill in the blank. They seem to have, and then you fill in the blank again. God, so, they, they, their lives look so great and, and so attractive. And, and God, their parents even seem to like them more than, than, than my parents even like me. And I, and I just don't get it, God, because my roommates seem to have the best or my friends or or those I'm going to school with, whatever. My teammates seem to have it a lot better than me. And I know what's going on. Verse four says, "For there are no pangs in their death." This is significant because in Hebrew thought, many times they believed that the way one died was a mark or a signal of how they had lived their lives. And so Asaph is thinking, like a good Hebrew man, they even die beautifully. I mean, they just kind of fall asleep, and and I, so this life, their lives surely do look good, even whenever they begin to the transition into death. Verse 15 says, but he kept his mouth shut. He, he didn't confess every single thing he was feeling. You see, Proverbs 30 and 32 says, if you have been a fool by being proud or plotting evil, don't brag about it. Cover your mouth with your hand in shame. You see, wisdom also says, guard what you say because of those whom you are influencing. Guys, I'm just trying to tell you that when the emotions and the feelings often die down, Remarkably, you're going to be left with the word of God and a few resolves in your heart if you've made any. And this is why Jesus says the wise man will build his house on a firm and a sure foundation for when the storm comes. (laughs) Only those who have built on a wise foundation, a real foundation, the word of God are going to be able to stand. Does this make sense to you guys? I mean, like, really? Because too many times we see where moments like this are so powerful and we get away for a couple of weeks. And then it's like no sooner than we get home, we just kind of forget who we are. I'm just telling you, salvation comes for free. Everything else, you've got to make some investments in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Salvation is the only thing that's free. Everything else, you know what I'm saying? You say, you know what, God, I'm going to partner with you. And God, the work that you started in me, I'm going to continue to walk it out as you lead me. This is not automatic cruise control Christianity. So in order to keep what you've got, God has given massive gifts even this weekend. Sometimes it takes living a sacrificial life of saying, you know what, Jesus, whatever you're requiring of me, if I got to let go of some relationships or some friendships, if you're calling me to start some new friendships, that's what I need to do. Because you want to be in some environments that foster the spiritual activity and the growth that the Holy Spirit has begun on the inside of your hearts this weekend. Does this make sense to you guys? So Asaph's story. Again, as many of our stories. And the big idea is that even whenever he got down to to down down to envying those around them, ungodly people, you know. Psalm seventy three seventeen was the biggest thing. I remember reading this verse in a season of my life where I was like, "Lord, what is all of this for?" I mean, seriously, I'm making some sacrifices here. I mean, I was in the moment where it was like a big pity party, you know? Like, yeah. And, and so, and so, so Psalm seventy three seventeen just kind of leaped, leapt off the page. It says, Psalm seventy three seventeen. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. For truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you'll laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. 24 says, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you. I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter and I will tell Everyone about the wonderful things that you do. You should read the Bible sometimes. I mean, really. I think that sometimes, what am I going to do? Do you catch the real, do you catch the rawness of what Asaph is writing out to God? So that tells me there needs to be a little bit of rawness whenever you come to God. Not just flowery words, telling God what he wants to hear, but really authentically coming to God and saying, this is what is going on in my heart. These are the questions that I have. These are the challenges that I'm wrestling through. I don't understand A, B, C or D, but still at the end of the day, I resolve that you're good. But here's the deal. Asaph's whole perspective begins to change when he says but then i entered the sanctuary of god anytime we see where the sanctuary of god or the house of the lord is described in scripture it's always an indication and a connection to worship because the bible says we must enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise you see what i'm saying so it's almost like asaph is saying here god when i didn't know what to do i just begin to worship when my faith almost failed me. When temptation almost overtook me. Right here in that moment. I just began to worship. And all of a sudden. Asaph gets this massive revelation. That their lives is not, their lives are not as good as it seems, Asaph. You need to change your perspective. And let me show you what's really going on. Because the end of that path is death and destruction. You better stay on the narrow way, Asaph. You better stay on the narrow way, Asaph. You better stay on the narrow way, Asaph. Be new to worship God. So the big thought this morning... Is that in every season, we'll continue. We know how to get into God's presence. We'll worship him. We'll make this resolve that God is good. Verse 17 literally means the sanctuaries of God. Literally, his, visions begin, his vision begins to be restored. I mean, he began to think long term, you guys. And so I wanted to just kind of give you this Psalm chapter 73 because I see, I find it as a jewel in my heart. Whenever I kind of start to feel like, you know, what is all of this for? And so many different scriptures, but I really relate to ASAP because, I mean, I just like to be real with God. And I'm just telling you, you need to have that level of relationship with him where you can go to him about anything. He already knows it's in your heart. He already knows it's in your head. Amen. I want you to bow your heads right where you are as we just get ready to close this out in prayer. Father, I thank you for every son and every daughter under the sound of my voice. From parents and volunteers and interns to junior high, high school students, AV tech, band members. Holy Spirit, we are so thankful for you've placed in our hearts. Lord, I thank you so much. That you'll continue to work in us and through us. And even as, as we looked at Asaph's story this morning. Lord, I thank you that in moments whenever the feelings dry up. And the emotions kind of begin to fade. Lord, I thank you that our house, our salvation, our encounters with you are not built on just emotional feelings. But they're rooted in the word of God. When we don't know what to do, we'll worship even whenever it doesn't seem like it we choose to believe in purpose in our heart Lord you are good in every season I bless your sons and your daughters today in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said Amen. amen let's give Jesus a great big ovation of praise this morning and over time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.